Welcome to the Scottish Business Network podcast. Hello, I'm Fraser Allen. Welcome to episode 66. Dr. Marie Macklin is on a mission. As the driving force behind the ambitious regeneration of the old Johnny Walker bottling plant in her hometown of Kilmarnock, Marie has created a new model for the private sector to drive the creation of vibrant communities for the benefit of everyone. And it's a model that she's set on taking well beyond Scotland. The founder of Halo Urban Regeneration is hugely energetic, positive, resourceful and full of great ideas. And yet it's not come easily to Marie, having struggled with undiagnosed dyslexia and almost losing her life in her 20s through endometriosis. Inspired by caravan holidays in Aberdeen, the music of the Simple Minds and a pair of black killer heels that she spray painted gold, Marie has a great story and it's beautifully told. This interview was recorded in front of a live audience on Zoom on the 27th of April, 2021. If you enjoyed this episode, why not subscribe to the series? Simply search for Scottish Business Network on Apple Music, Spotify or the podcast platform of your choice. A big welcome to you, Marie. How are you and where are you speaking to us from? I am in Glasgow or Glass Vegas, as we like to call up here, the city of bright lights. Um, and um, I'm, I'm looking forward to this interview with you, Fraser. Yeah, well, we see a, a lovely image there of, of the project that we're going to talk about a lot later on. First of all, the let's let's do the pandemic question that we, we start with. So, you know, how have the, the past 12 months been for you, Marie, both kind of personally and, and professionally? Um, I think at the beginning it was everybody's hands on deck and um, if you didn't know what a Zoom call was, I didn't know what a Zoom call was then, I, I certainly do know now. Um, it's been it's been a bit of a nightmare. Um, we just got on site, this is the fabulous Halo building that we get the keys to next week that I'll, I'll speak about later, but we just got on site on um, October 19 after 12 years uh, trying to bring this development together to be shut down obviously like most businesses at the end of March and we were shut for 15 weeks. Um, so it was um, trying to be creative and trying to be resilient in that period and we had a great team and we still have and, and it's got us through. Um, from a personal point of view, I found it um, probably after the first four months really difficult. Um, I've been a person that's out and about and, and, and meeting people and travelling and having coffee meetings to be based at home and I still am. Um, it's been difficult and I, I would honestly say the last lockdown has been worse than the first but we've got a bit of light at the end of the tunnel just now, so um, we soldier on. And, uh, you know, we see this image of, of Kilmarnock in the, in the background, and you, you are Kilmarnock through and through. So it'd be lovely to find out a bit about your background, you know, growing up, um, your parents. What sort of personality traits do you think you inherited from your, your parents, Marie? And what, what did you dream of doing when you were growing up? Um, I grew up in, in Kilmarnock, an industrial town on the west coast um, of Scotland, and um, I grew up in a council estate at the early part of my life called Onthank. Uh, there had been a, a terrible series in BBC uh, some years ago called The Scheme. Um, so I, I'm originally from there, and then we moved to the village of Simonton and back into Kilmarnock. So I grew up in a in a happy house where my father was a bricklayer and my mother originally was a hosiery worker. But my dad um, had loads of aspiration and, and he worked his way up from bricklayer into construction, managing director of some major uh, companies in the UK. Um, and my mother was a homemaker. So we were, were brought up very much with a, a huge work ethic. Um, 
and not really under put under any pressure to to go to university or you know as long as we went to school and tried tried our hardest um, but the whole family had a huge work at Essex you know my, my, I grew up in a town that was at the forefront of the first industrial revolution um, with the likes of Johnny Walker Whiskey, Stoddart Carpets and Andrew Barclay railway locomotives and a lot of my family worked in these places my aunts and my uncles um, so it was a uh, a really interesting town with lovely parks, um, real community, community at its heart. And I, I think that's, um, you know, hearing the projects that I do, it, it's very much wrapped around um, a lot of heart thinking rather than head sometimes. Mm-hmm. And back in those days, uh, for your holidays, you used to go to make, make a very exotic trip to Aberdeen. We did. Holidays. Yeah. I know yeah. that actually had quite a big impact on your way of, way of thinking. So tell us about that. It did, it did in the sense, Fraser, coming from the West Coast and, and seeing industrial decline, I was very conscious even as a 10 and 11-year-old that things were uh, declining in Coman on the West Coast. And um, our escapism every July was Dad took us to Aberdeen to a static caravan at Hazelhead Park. And in the, the mid-70s, um, that was when oil, you know, had been um, discovered and you used to go there and it was full of Americans. And in those days, it had Americans like cowboys, the Stetsons and, and, and the Boots, etc. So I became very aware every year going to Aberdeen that there was the haves and the haves nots. And so I would go back to Kilmarnock and other places in Ayrshire, Cumnock, etc. And, and places were shutting down. Um, but every year you would go up there, it became more, more buoyant um, economy. Um, and I was very conscious about international politics and stuff. We used to have relatives come over from America, and, and in those days it was the Watergate scandal, so I would sit and listen to the adult conversation. It got me interested in politics. Um, I used to listen to how my cousins had been, my second cousins had been helicopter pilots in the Vietnam War. So from a very early age, I was really into politics and um probably economy and I didn't realise it and it wasn't until probably a couple of years ago um, when I was being interviewed about um, politics and referendum campaigns that I was aware at a very early age that the effect that oil was having not on the whole whole of Scotland but just that one area um, so for to come from a community that was facing devastation with huge job losses it was quite hard to watch. And um, another big factor growing up was that you actually had undiagnosed dyslexia. What Mm -hmm. impact did that have on on you, Marie? Yeah, I I didn't realise I had that until I was in my early 30s. Um, It had a devastating impact and it was devastating to the point... um, I remember being an 11-year-old and it was parents' night at school and my my dad was running late at work, so mum went, but then dad came to the school to you know, to, to be the, the parents' night. And I remember this teacher, I was standing outside the door um, at the classroom saying to my parents, Marie is an absolutely lovely girl, but she will never amount to anything. She's slow. And I was kept back a year at school. Um, and in those days, the, the late 70s, early 80s, it, it, it just was swept under the carpet. And I think that's why I'm very passionate about the, the places I work. Um and some of the communities that I work, very deprived communities, but huge communities with hearts. So when I go into communities and I meet young kids that are disengaged at school or a bit slow, I totally get it because I'm one of those kids. 
Well, I hope that teacher's watching now. <laughs> you certainly have amounted to, to something uh, pretty special. And, I mean, despite the, some, of, some of those difficulties at school, you, you went on to Glasgow Caledonian University. You studied accountancy, business studies and economics. Mm. What did you gain from, from that time and sort of move, moving to Glasgow? And I think you had a couple of jobs there as well. I did. I did. I um, I moved to Glasgow uh, just when I turned 17 and um, I moved there for the City Lights. Um, I remember I love music, so my release is music and lyrics because I'm no good at the, the reading and the writing because of my, my condition. Um, so I went there because I loved the, the music scene and I wanted to be educated there. And the first year I went up, I was actually at Glasgow Central College and then went to Glasgow Technical College, which is GCU now. And I was really into business. Um, I used to watch a programme called Capital City on the TV, and it was about stockbrokers, and it was about all these guys that all had Porsches, and I wanted one of those Porsches because I, I had to have one. So I moved to Glasgow, and I worked in seashoe uh, shops and uh, a cocktail bar. So I was definitely that waitress in the Human League song. <laughs> I worked in a cocktail bar. But it was a very Glasgow was always, again, the industrial history of Glasgow uh, I love. And there was a huge work ethic and a huge place of opportunity. So when I would come up here to, to stay, I finished up staying up here, but I used to travel up and down uh, the train to Kilmarnock. And I used to go off the train and walk up um, West Langland Street past Andrew Bartley Railway Locomotives. And it was um, an, an old factory had been at the forefront of the first industrial revolution building trains and locomotives for around the world and a song used to resonate with me called don't you forget about me with simple minds because basically our industrial heritage had been forgotten about and the opportunities from that um, and then that roll forward when i'll come on to talk about clinton in 2004 i finished up buying that factory and um bringing the first Morrison food stores to a 12-acre site that we owned along with the factory we generated. Wow. And so obviously loving the, the, the big city lights of, of Glasgow, you, you then were attracted to the, the, the big lights of London. You got a job with the uh, Royal Bank of Scotland. So how did you enjoy your time down there? I loved it. Um, as I say, I had this aspiration to work in the capital and I wanted to be a, a hedge funder. Um, and I think coming from Kilmarnock and being in Glasgow, it gave me the confidence because I was a quiet girl at school, but it gave me the confidence to go to, from a gritty city down into London. Um, and I, I got a huge opportunity working with RBS at the time. I went into debt factoring to start with and then moved into um, the banking sector, stockbroking, and then worked between the whole of the UK, based in London, Glasgow, and then went over to NYC. Um, so it was, it was a huge opportunity. I would say that um, I am the person that I am, but I, I was given a lot of breaks in there by um, some amazing men, old school uh, mm -hmm. financiers. And I learned so much about how to grow companies, especially in the debt factor inside, which was high risk in the lender they used to say of last resort, which it's not. Um, and it was basically going into companies and um, sometimes rescuing companies uh, and, and working with them. And I could see it for both sides as financier and with my father having the family business. So I could see, you know, two sides. And I used to take a high-risk strategy, calculated strategy, 
that they used to say when your name was in lights was when you were having to collect out because somebody had went bust in you. Um, your name's now in lights, you need to collect out. So I'm proud to say I never lost them any money. <laughs> now, when you were there as well, you had a, a really tough time, uh, you know, a really scary time because you, you actually, you nearly died after collapsing mm. endometriosis. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that must have been a, a really traumatic experience. Yeah, I think um, at that time I was only 32 and um, I had been ill for some time, um, going in and out of hospitals at weekends, flying back to Glasgow, I don't feel well. And the condition had never been identified. And what had actually happened was I'd come up to Glasgow one weekend to stay and um, basically collapsed, got rushed into hospital and had internal bleeding. And uh, I took this, sorry to be graphic, but um, on cysts and started bursting. So I took internal bleeding them into cardio and um, I, I basically lost my life for a period and it had a, a devastating effect on me but I think I was the lucky one that I got a second chance um, to be 32 and um, yeah basically be told within 48 hours that you've had a full abdominal hysterectomy and you can't have a family um, it, it was devastating and I think it learned me something as well. I didn't look after my health when I was in London because I should have pushed it more and went to hospitals more and, and pushed and pushed, and I didn't because I was too keen to please and too keen to get up the ladder. But it learned me... Um, I, I, I was lucky, and, and that was the reason that I, I came back to Scotland. The second half of the interview continues in a few seconds after this. Do you need a communications expert to help you with your marketing, brand storytelling or strategic content? Find out what I, Fraser Allen, can provide at www.allencoms.co.uk. That's Allen with two L's and an E and comms with two M's. And, and that's when this incredible story began back in in Kilmock, Kilmock, Kilmock. and uh, so I just had to mute myself then by the way because the dog started barking <laughs> really hoping that he keeps quiet now so you um you moved back and, and into property development and, and regeneration mm. which you've been specializing in ever since Marie mm. uh, and so initially this was through the, the, the clean group um and now through halo uh, but it's I think what people are going to be really interested in the model you've developed because it's 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 a kind of mixture. It's a, a strong kind of social entrepreneurial element to it. You're all about building communities, mm-hmm. um, and um, I wonder if you could tell us how you sort of arrived at this model, which is is quite unusual and is having a really positive impact on on your hometown. Yeah, um, it is. And, and I came back, and when I came back, the bit I've missed. Um, I basically couldn't go back to work for over a year because I'd lost all my confidence. And RBS were amazing and kept my job open, but I, I couldn't go back. So I went into the family business, the Clin Group, and I went back one day a week and then became FD and then became um, acting MD from my father. And when I, I came in as MD, that allowed me to basically change the company for construction of low margins into urban regeneration. And... Everybody needs the first big deal. And the first big deal I had was when I amalgamated, I mentioned Andrew Bartley's uh, 15-acre site and brought the first Morrison Food Store to Scotland um, in 2004. And with the money that we made from that, because we got Class 1 food retail, 
we could have been a developer that took the, the big profits and ran, but we regenerated that money back into old buildings in the town centre. Then roll forward um, to 2009. And during that time, I've worked a lot with schools and enterprise, especially young people, and, and helping them through. So in 2009, we were, was given the, the vital blow that Diageo were um, going to exit the last big employer in Kilmarnock with 700 job losses. And what do you do? Do you stand back and do nothing? And in my book, that was near option because we had seen it repeatedly for years, the industrial devastation in these towns, and why should the people pay the price? So there was a committee set up called Make It Kilmarnock by um, the government and the council to try and save the jobs, but that would never never happen. So at that stage, I had been asked for private sector to be on the board. It was an unpaid role, and I said I would do it as long as, if this failed, I would have the opportunity to go in and negotiate with the Agile to try and secure the 28-acre site for a community project. So two years later, Mika Kilmarnock um, was wrapped up, and from that, eight acres had been donated for a new £50 million college. So in 2010-11, I started negotiating with the AGI to get control of the site. And it has been a 12-year journey. Um, that journey, um, there were 20,000 of us marched um, to save the jobs. And I'm not being political here, but all the politicians appeared and said that they would put money into this project um, you know, and, and help um, before I had the site. But once the march finished and the two years was up, everybody disappeared. So I started negotiating with the Agile and we managed to get a position after three years that they would donate the site for a pound and they would put £2 million into a community benefit um, proposal. And during that time, um, we worked tirelessly with the community. There's too many developers in it for a quick fix and a quick buck. And they're in it not to do consultations with community, they'll go in and just tell them what they're getting. So we consulted all the time with the community, what do you want? What do you want to see? We want jobs. We want new jobs. So during that process, um, it took us seven years. And it took us seven years because of bureaucracy, um, UK government putting uh, money in and ScotGov, which was to be through a growth deal. And the reason that these projects need pump fund is your market failure, where your bill costs are higher than your, your rental income. But why should our communities not have an iconic building like what I have behind me that is completely net zero and the whole site will be net zero? Um, why shouldn't we have that? So after various negotiations, we managed to um, get the UK government to contribute three and a half million for innovation, um, ScotGov three and a half for infrastructure, the council £2 million towards the development. And we're bringing that together along with our private finance. We've been able to deliver our first phase, which um, opens in June, the Halo Enterprise and Innovation Hub with the Halo light, as you see above, that lights up various colours. And we caught the Halo effect and lighting up Scotland and the UK with our new economy. Um, that new economy is going to put us at the forefront of the fourth industrial revolution, digitalisation and cyber. And for me, somebody had said, to, as a property urban regeneration specialist, that we would be creating a new economy, i.e. trading a new economy. I wouldn't believe that. Um, I, can, I can go into further if you want about the partners at this stage, Fraser, or do you want to come in at this stage? 
Well, yes, yeah, certainly. I mean, you, you may want to talk about this in, in relation to this question. I'm just wondering, I mean, you are a businesswoman. So how do you combine this deep-seated desire to have a really positive income and build communities and help people whilst also delivering you know, a commercial return? Mm. This project for the last eight years, we, we, we haven't drawn an income from it. Um, all we've done is put money into it because I believe I believe in this and I'm, I'm now been proven right. It, it works. And how we, we work, got it to work as well was I wanted to bring back PLC UK to Kilmarnock the same way as they had exited. I wanted to bring in new ones. So two and a half years ago, Keith Anderson, the chief exec of Scottish Power, had heard about Halo. And he had the foresight to say, look, I've got a corporate social responsibility budget here, but I want to create opportunity and jobs. What do I need to do? So we negotiated with Scottish Power a five-year deal at a million pound a year for them to use this as the first test bed site in the UK um, through Scottish Power and Aberdrome of their parent company. So what that basically means is that the building you see behind you has um, got 150 solar panels. It's powered by the Whiteleys Wind Farm up the road. Um, it will create the first sustainable community net zero village. I mean, we're following the UN um, and their sustainable goal, 11, on sustainable cities and communities, and we're creating that here in Kilmarnock, the same way as Johnny Walker created that iconic brand of whiskey. We're, create, we're creating a new economy. Um, we'll have a trading floor for 110 um, businesses on the top floor. And again, that will be wrapped around live, work, learn and play, health, energy and enterprise. And we'll have some of the most innovative companies coming in there um, to do hackathons and competitions that Scottish Power are throwing money at to bring through the best of the best that will then work in conjunction with the rest of the site regarding, we've got 210 innovation homes um, that will be um, powered by Deepwell Battery um, facilities. And the testing from them will be used to help fuel poverty and other aspects of innovation um, around the site. Um, light manufacturing, um, deep um, surf, wave surf, urban park. And we're heavily involved in young people in the project. So it's a, it's a huge mixed development and it's the first like this it's ever been seen. Uh, you know, some people may say that this, the work that you're doing, this kind of regeneration activity, is that, is that is brilliant. But is this not something, you know, some people would say this is what the government should be doing. How do you feel about that? Um, I would say yes, it is. I would say that um, there is too much lip service given to what's happening in the country and no enough action. I've worked in this for 12 and a half years of my life. And we've made mistakes along the way in the proposal and master plans, but we've learned for it. We've worked with amazing civil servants, but civil servants are only as good as how, they, how their um, ministers advise and tell them what they want to put into operation. And that goes for both governments. So it's been a learning curve for the governments. Um, we've learned a lot, they've learned a lot, and at the end of the day, they supported it. It could have been done quicker, I believe now that we have the Scottish National Investment Bank and now that we have um, the new British Infrastructure Bank opening up, if these banks had been there 12 years ago, even three years ago, we wouldn't be sitting um, robbing people to pay Paul and can we get you know, some money for here, some money there? Because the, the banks, the commercial lenders, will not fund this type of development. 
So we can have all the, the talking shops and all the strategies, but unless banks change their way of lending, it will never happen. So I'm hoping that with these new banks in play, and, and we we're all talking about net zero by 2045 in Scotland, something major has to change, and that needs to start at the top in policy and actually put it into action. You're really shaking things up. I think it's, it's well worth people having a look at the Halo website because you use language, which is partly inspired by your musical uh, time in Glasgow, you know, phrases like rocking the economy. Yeah. Um, it's really refreshing. The, the, the language you use is, is, is language that everyone can understand and can get behind. I know also that this, this model that you, you've developed is something that you're intent on uh, taking forward beyond Kilmarnock, beyond Scotland. So what are your, your plans there, Marie? No, it is. I mean, and, and for me, it's all about our young people and, and how do we get them into opportunity. So the bit that I haven't mentioned is we, we recently got funded from Kickstart to the UK government to own 200 young people to train in digital and cyber with our own cyber experts and through Ayrshire College, one of our partners. And that's all about creating the, the Halo Digital Cyber Army for business with placements in some of the companies I mentioned. And yes, we are taking it um, national and international. For three years, I've been based off and on in Belfast, um, working in, on a site between the Shankill and the Falls Road and working with both communities. And these are great communities, again, with various issues the same way as my hometown. I mean, I was brought up in the, the, the same postcode area as the Halo site, which is a deprived postcode area. So for us, it's about how do we roll that brand out in Belfast? Um, we're also looking at Valamina um, and give those young people that opportunity. And for example, in Belfast, we managed to get cross-party agreement between Sinn Féin and DUP, which was a major feat. But it was getting into that community. And um, I'm very much, I say it as it is, and building up trust. Um, because as I say, this isn't about Marie Macklin's halo, this is a people's halo because they have to use it, it's all about them. So we're doing um, Northern Ireland, we've got plans for um, the rest of the UK, Northern UK, and we are actually um, hopefully going to announce um, a unique uh, halo product in Glasgow um, this summer. Mm. Intriguing. Yeah. Teaser there. Um, now, you've, you've placed a big emphasis on, on positive action and positive language. And mentioned to me, you, you said to me last week, I don't do negative. Do you think, Marie, that we have an issue in Scotland around negativity and pessimism in business? Yeah, I think, I mean, it, um, obviously we're sitting in a pandemic just now and, and there'll be a lot of negativity. But I think, uh, yes, I think as a country, um, there's certain sectors brand themselves really well. But again, I think um, governments have a huge role to play here. Governments um, roll out advert campaigns, but quite honestly, some of them are still at the shortbread tin adverts. I think if, if you go to uh, some of the countries like America, and I'm not saying we should be like America, but... If you're successful, you know, you're proud of it and you're, you say, well done. Over here, I think we need to change the speak and the way that we educate our young people um, and learn them more about enterprise and business. And that starts in schools. And it's the same with children's innovation. When I was at school and you were in primary one or two, you got a shop tile to play with. Now they get computers. So we should have children's innovation centres within the schools and more collaboration working with the private sector. The private sector do immense jobs, not just in Scotland, but the rest of the UK. 
Um, in theory, there are a lot of them are learning some heroes and what they're doing in, in the schools and, and other areas of education. Um, so I, I'm a firm believer that um, if you're successful, then you should be allowed to you know, shout about it. So, I mean, you're really a, a kind of trailblazer in the construction regeneration world in terms of coming up with a new model, shape, rocking the economy, making people talk about things in, in plain language. You're also a, a bit of a trailblazer for, for women, I think, in that sector. And so what needs to be done to create great, greater diversity across the industry and in an unexpected segue into the, uh, the realm of footwear, um, I, wonder if you could, I wonder if you could tell us about the symbolism of the black killer heels that you once <laughs> spray painted gold. <laughs> black killer heels. Um, yeah, I mean, cause I've been in building sites, I think from when I was three or four, my dad was a brickie, so I used to get put in the back of the van on a Sunday and uh, go with him out the building sites, and I loved it. So I think it's different for me because I've been brought up in that environment. Um, there is immense work being done with colleges um, on construction and attracting um, women into it. But for some reason, there is still this barrier of women getting into construction. Um, I, I, I mean, I do talks in construction and it's not all just about, you know, being a builder or a bricklayer or an electrician. There's surveying jobs, there are administration jobs, there are various different jobs um, in the construction. And, you know, for the Halo site, we set up um, our community benefits package when we out to tender and Morrison Construction won that project. We put a huge emphasis on... Um, community benefit and through that we um, set up courses for young people to attract especially you know young women and a huge community benefit in the face of um, local organisations um, applying for funding to help their organisations um, grow and you know uh, I know I'm going a bit off track here but I think for us as a company resources equal opportunity for all but very community I mean during Covid we put £100,000 into working with Bayhead Foods and Coman, a food producer a social enterprise to deliver food packs to some of the most vulnerable people in our community and for me they are my future customers. They are the backbone um, of our product, so we need to be seen assisting. So for construction going forward, again, I think it's how you market a product. And I don't think we maybe necessarily market to young women the way we maybe should, but having worked in financial services, um, it's the exact same there. And, and I get asked a lot of times, did I, who was my mentors, etc. And I've got to say, when I worked in the city of London, I think I said earlier, it was it was men that gave me my opportunity, and I, I took it and, and seized the moment. And what about the killer heels? Killer heels. Um, I think I was fifteen or sixteen, and I loved shoes, and my parents didn't have much money, and I wanted these gold shoes, and uh, my mum said no. So she bought the black ones because they would last longer. So I went and bought a for a tin of spray paint because uh, I wanted to I wanted to look like Craig Grogan at altered images and, and spray painted those shoes um, gold. So they did. It'd be a nice uh, symbol for your kind of determination to to achieve things in business. And mm. um, uh, one more question from me, Marie, and then we're going to hand over to the, the audience. This is something I always like to ask at the end: is if you could give one piece of advice to the young Marie Macleod, sort of setting off into the world, what would it be? I think it would be um, never doubt yourself. 
And when people say, no, it can't be done, basically do it. Go whatever route you need to do, because I've had to purposely in this project do that. And believe in yourself, and um, I go with my heart. And uh, I truly believe in this world, it doesn't matter where you come from, it's where you're going and, and using your heart in that journey. Um, and surrounding yourself with people of like minds. That's how this project is the success that it is. We only surround ourselves with people that um, think along the same lines as us and, and lead with our heart. Thanks, Marie. That's a, a brilliant story and wonderfully told by you. And now I'm going to pass over to see if we have any questions. If you'd like to attend future Scottish Business Network events, find out more at sbn.scot. I was really looking forward to hearing from Marie and what a wonderful listen she is. I'll be back in a fortnight. Bye for now. To find out more about the Scottish Business Network, simply visit sbn.scot.